Hey, it's Sunny Days. I am the co-host and co-creator of Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Listen, I am a podcast her, okay, H-E-R, an activist, a thought leader, pin pusher, and lover of poodles. And I'm Lisa Davis, MPH. I am a lover of social justice, healthy living, dogs, and I love being the co-host and co-creator of Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Now is the time for honest, unfiltered conversations, for authentic voices and their stories, and for connection. Join us as we confront the moment head on with this podcast. It is passionate. It is real as lives behind the headlines. Active allyship, it's more than a hashtag. And listen, it goes beyond the likes, the retweets, and the hashtags, making space for the vital dialogue necessary for racial justice. And now on to the show. Sonny and I are so glad to have Warren Bidford on the program. We're going to be talking about the incredible book, Hear My Voice, The Testimonies of Children Detained at the Southern Border of the United States. It is compiled by Warren Bidford for Project Amplify. Warren, welcome to Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Thank you. So Warren, one of the first questions that we ask all of our guests is what were you marinated in? And that question goes back to how did you become who you are today? So um, let's see. I think that I was, um, for better or worse, (laughs) um, marinated in a family that taught us the importance of, you know, hard work, humility, service, um, that we were to be compassionate and forgiving of others, that we weren't supposed to judge others, and that um, everyone was, you know, a gift and that we needed to be open to the gifts that they had. So, you know, I was raised in the San Fernando Valley and, and you know, growing up in the 70s and 80s, we saw a lot of changes in our neighborhood. And it was interesting because my dad was so excited when taquerias were opening, you know, in our neighborhood and said, this is a great, look at this great food that we're getting, that it wasn't, uh, you know, we weren't part of the white flight that said, oh my gosh, there are people who have darker skin than we do. We need to move to the Northern part of the Valley or wherever. Um, And so it was very much, um, you know, a, a family in which we were taught that when people who look different than us, you know, join our neighborhood, that it's to be welcomed, that they bring their own set of gifts that will enrich our lives. And so I wasn't really aware of racism until I got older and, you know, started to witness it by, for example, you know, going into the inner city in in Los Angeles and discovering that their experiences and the way they were treated were so very different than, than my own. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, I want to say this is an incredible book. It was incredibly hard to read. You know, I, I'm already so over the top angry about what's going on in this country. And then when you see this book, it just brings it even more home. And the thing is, it has to be. And I love that this book is meant for people of all ages. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about your involvement and then tell us about Project Amplify. Okay, well, I became involved in this um, in starting in 2017 when I was sent um, to the Border Patrol facilities and to the ICE facilities where the children were being kept by the U.S. government. And um, we 
were profoundly concerned when we first went to these facilities. And then over the next few years, we saw the conditions worsen and worsen and worsen until finally, after seven children had died, we walked into the Clint Border Patrol facility in June 2019 and discovered over 350 children being kept in a warehouse, a loading dock, and overcrowded jail cells. And it became clear to us how children were dying in government custody, something that had not happened in a decade. And we were moved to go to the media and to inform the American public what was happening. Um, in response to that, there was an outpouring of support, you know, horror and dismay by the American public. But then what started to happen was a whitewash effort at, from the highest levels of government. And so we decided to found, um, create Project Amplify to bring the children's sworn testimonies forward and make them accessible to the public. Um, and then there were lots of different initiatives that were created um, in order to help the public to know what was happening at the border, including through this book, which is a compilation of different parts of children's stories from over 60 different children um, and what their experiences were. Um, and then it was beautifully, powerfully illustrated by 17 Latinx illustrators who have the courage to read the children's uh, declarations in their entirety and, and bring them to life in truly fantastical ways. Well, let me add, uh, the book, as Lisa said, is amazing. I started reading and I wasn't sure, you know, what, what I was going to get into, but as I started flipping through the pages, I thought one, the illustrators did an, an, uh, an amazing job at capturing, um, the likeness of children, like representation is so important, uh, through illustration. And then two, but more importantly, the stories, um, you know, as I thought of, as I looked at the book and the, the compilation, I thought, I mean, this is horrid. It was painful for me to read. So I can't imagine actually being in the situation. And I, these babies, they're babies and they're helpless. And why aren't we doing more? I mean, I know it's it's whitewashed at the top, and you know there you know that goes back to structural racism. But but why isn't more being done to help these kids? Well, I you know I I think that I firmly believe in the um, in inherent potential for goodness in people, and I believe that if the American public demands that more be done that it will be done, but it's up to us to convey to our political leaders, to our lawmakers, that this is a priority of the American people, that we do not want to abuse children. We do not want to systematically severely neglect children. And that we believe that every child who comes to the United States, regardless of whether they have a legal basis to be here and thus remain, or whether they need to be returned to their home country, they need to be placed with their families as quickly as possible and then and treated humanely throughout that process. But it's up to us, the American people, to call for that. We're the ones who choose our political leaders. We're the ones who tell our political leaders what our priorities are. And that's actually one of the goals of the book is to make sure that the American public knows what's going on so that they can call on their elected officials to do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in the book, you have the voices of the children, again, they're ages five to 17. And there were so many, I wrote down almost everyone because everyone was just so just disturbing. Uh, this one really got me. Uh, 
None of the adults take care of us. We try to take take care of each other. I am holding both little girls in my lap to try to comfort them. I need comfort too. I am bigger than they are, but I am a child too. It's like we've lost sight that these are children and the crowded cages and no toothpaste, no soap, no showers, that these, these are places meant for adults to stay a few hours, not for children to stay in for weeks. The reasons that they left, uh, one child says, I left Honduras with my father be father because Honduras is a dangerous place to live. There are people who wanted to hurt us. Uh, another child, our grandfather saw the gang kill our neighbor. They threatened to kill him. And so we all had to leave. This whole bullshit narrative that Trump put out about, you know, just crimigrants and all the horrible nastiness. These are people who are just trying to, for me, sorry, I get really upset. They're just trying to live. And that's why this book is so huge. I'm literally going to buy this for everybody I know. And I'm not, I'm not being hyperbolic because most of the people I know are on my side, but I still feel like there's a few people who have been brain. I'm going to say it. They've been brainwashed. Sonny, did you want to jump in on this, hon? There's so much to unpack. Um, so I, I won't, I won't touch what you said because it doesn't need me to add anything. Um, but one of the stories that I read had to do with the baby who was sick and vomiting and needed attention. And the response was, she doesn't have the face of a sick baby. And so, you know, I'm already uh, in an emotional space because of all of the trauma that is taking place against uh, African-Americans. And so, when I see this trauma and it's inflicted on these kids, you know, my mind goes back to just like at the end of the day, we are all humans. We all bleed red. What does the color of your skin or your class have to do with basic decency and humanity? Uh, so um, many things, Many times that I've read the stories, it really has left me without words. It's more for me to try to understand and process this, um, these tragedies, these atrocities committed against these babies. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because um, with regard to the child who had the two little children in her lap, she's actually, if I recall correctly, I think she was 14 and they would come forward and they would say, you know, to this jail cell where all these children are crowded, they would say, here's a little boy who wants to take care of him and then hand off a little boy who is, you know, in diapers to a seven or eight year old girl to take care of him and just hand him off. And there was no sense of personal responsibility or professional responsibility to, you know, take care of these children that they're not trained. And I do worry about the effects that this type of system, which is so oppressive and so militaristic, has on the on the children, just like Sonny was saying, that when you look at some of the racism and oppression that we see in the United States, and especially at our border, it's really horrific that the Border Patrol was created specifically to go after Chinese immigrants in the early 20th century. It arose out of, you know, self-organized groups at the border in the, in the late 1800s. And so, you know, uh, racism and oppression is very much a part of our, our border patrol policies. And, I, and when I say border patrol policies, I don't limit it to that, that one um, entity, that one agency. 
Um, I am familiar with the research on who these children are. And what some of the research shows is that these children are the best of the best. These are the resilient ones. These are the ambitious ones. These are the survivors. These are the exact kind of children that we want to come to the United States to stand shoulder to shoulder with my own kids who are fabulous. But we know that the native born children like my children do not have the resilience of the children who make it to the border. And then what we see in follow up research around these kids is that 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 resilience, that strength that they have when they arrive to the United States is worn down within two years because of the trauma that they experience at the border and because of the systematic racism that they experience in America, just like Sonny was describing, you know, it's it's experienced by the African-American population and they have their own incredibly tragic and painful history, um, you know, that has created intergenerational trauma. And then at the same time that's going on, we have these first generation kids coming to the border who are the best of the best and can really enrich our country. And what do we do? We wear them down and that advantage as well through the you know brutality of the racism in the United States. And so it's so important for us to confront our history honestly and to actively seek to end this racism both in our individual lives as well as in you know our, our government and our society and our economics, et cetera. And I'm hopeful that this book will help to do that by introducing in a way that's more accessible the brutality of these children's experiences so that we're moved to call for an end you know, in, in their treatment, mistreatment at the border, and then to look at our own selves and communities for ways to welcome these children and nurture the strengths that they come to us with so that they can contribute to the next generation. And one other um, observation, I, I should say, that I wanted to make is that I love the fact, and I mean, it, I guess it, it's a no-brainer that the book is uh, English and Spanish, uh, escucha mi voz. I mean, I just think, again, it's a no brainer, but people may not have thought about that. And I love that it's, it's, if you will, it's half, you know, part, uh, half English and half Spanish. You can buy this book anywhere. It's available at Target, Walmart, Amazon, your local bookstore. We are just so grateful for everyone, the small bookstores, the indies, the, you know, large retail stores, everybody's trying to get this book out. And so ask your local bookstore for it, you know, go to a a big box store if you need to, but you can go online and order it. It, It's widely available. And we ask that you share it with your friends, your families, you know, I don't care what their political background is. I don't care what their, um, you know, cultural background is. We all can benefit by knowing the truth about our country and what's doing what it's doing so that we can change the course of history and create our own future for America that doesn't have to look like what we've done in the past. I completely agree. Is there a website for the book or they should just go to where they get books and type in hear my voice? Well, it's it's you can find the book on Project Amplify. And so if you just go to projectamplify.org, you'll find the book there, as well as on the Workman Publishing website, as well as Amazon. If you just Google Hear My Voice, it will come up. Escucha my voice. Well, Warren, thank you so much for taking the time to come on Active Allyship. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.
So as you know, here on Active Allyship, we usually have guests for 45 minutes to an hour and a half. Now, Warren is going to come back. She was part of a radio tour. and Radio tours are usually 10 minutes. We were lucky to get 15. So Sunny and I want to continue talking about the book. And one of the things that Sunny and I were just talking about before we started taping is there was uh, one of the things was that the, the kids get up, woken up at night for count, get up, get up. And I have a friend who's in prison and he committed a crime and he's in prison and he gets woken up at night and it really pissed me off. But it's like, well, he committed a crime, he's in prison. But these kids didn't do, right? right pretty these much. kids, what the fuck? Why are they getting woken up at night? I don't, I mean, it's just completely insane. Not to mention the no toothpaste, no soap, no showers. I mean, it's just, oh God, it's so heavy, but we have to know this. It, it is very, very heavy. And you know, when I go back, I, first of, first and foremost, as I'm, as I'm thinking about this, I want to make it audible and say this. I do not, I do not, I want to be clear that this is not about me. This is not about the trauma that the African-American community has experienced. I but what it does is it immediately, I, I think about how the system was created and part of that was manipulate manipulation and trauma so that people don't get out of line. And then it also makes me think like these are children, these are infants in diapers who aren't even able to form sentences yet. These are four and five and six and seven, eight-year-old children who are made to take care of the younger children. And just as Warren said, when she spoke about the resilience, like you, when you think about the journey, the journey from where these, where these children came from to cross the border, like that is the essence of strength and resilience and, uh, a capacity that that many I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, that many of our children, because they have this, uh, their lives are, are so much easier. It also makes me think, what kind of people are these in the system that could treat these children in this way? Or stand by and do nothing and say nothing and show up every day. It cannot just be for a paycheck. Like there, you have to have mentally checked out to show up in an environment where these children are kept in cages. Listen, I have two standard poodles. And I don't keep them in their crate. I, just, I refuse to call it a cage. I, I don't keep them in their crate. So how are we keeping, and I, I want to, for those who are listening, I am not comparing the children to animals. I, I don't even want you to think that. I'm simply saying, like from a humanitarian perspective, like for those who even have children at home and are showing up in this environment every day, how are you looking at these children who are starving, who not just in terms of food, but the, the emotional nutrition or nourishment? There is none like that, that physical touch, the compassion, like 
the, the concern is like, you know, these, the, the, let me say everybody that crosses the border because they brush it with a, a broad stroke are like troublemakers. And well, we know what 45 said and which is, which is irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. How, how are we ensuring that these children through their lived tra- traumatic experiences don't come out on the other side of this fucked up. Like I, I just, how, how are we doing that as the American people, as the officers in these encampments? We're like, not right. I, I just, it's not right. Clearly, no therapy. clearly when you read the stories in this book and one of them, you know, you and I were discussing this, how a guard, came into the, the cell. I, I have to call it a cell. I, I just cannot call it a cage. And asked the children, how many stripes are on the American flag? And when the children were trying to guess and they got it wrong, just slammed the door and walked out. Like, ask, I, I bet if we took a random test, and I've seen this happen before, a random survey, I should say, just walk down the street and ask, you know, the American population, well, how many flags are, how many stripes are on the flag? You're going to have people thinking, well, wait a minute, how many stripes oh, are yeah, on the absolutely. flag? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, or how many stars? And how, you you can see, like, because that's not some, it's something we learned, but did we retain it? You know, and these children barely speak English, if any at all. They they have not been immersed in our culture. They're not they're not up for um, citizenship, where you have to take the test, where they ask you all these. I won't say ridiculous questions, but they ask you questions that probably half of the uh, population here. Oh, I guarantee I probably fail it. That's not anything that I keep in my head. Like I'm. <sighs> yeah, so we're definitely going to have to have Warren back so that we can dig deeper. You know, when you were asking about the people who work there, right? They have to see Brown as less. They have, their mind is is warped and diseased by racism and they have to see, right? Because they're not going to, they're not going to work there if there's a bunch of white kids, blonde white kids, let's say. The blue eyes and yeah, brown haired kids too. But I'm just saying, mm-hmm. there's going to be like this heartstring thing of like, oh, that poor little pretty blonde so there's no girl. Connection. There's no right. basically, there's no connection with the children who are who are there, and perhaps they too have been brainwashed to believe that the children are less than because they come from different places, impoverished places. But they they have come here, like so many immigrants and immigrants of the past, all the way back to the. 1800s and the 1900s for a better life and so oh now now it's not okay but but um and I don't want to get sidetracked on this but I do remember reading something and I will have to find it so that we can talk more in depth about it about how the structure is set up to cater to immigrants who are non-melanated like you know you can you can come from any place with non-melanated skin and be here and it's not as much of an issue as it is for those of us with melanated skin. So that's that's a whole other show. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. 
The book is Hear My Voice, The Testimonies of Children Detained at the Southern Border of the United States. Thank you so much for listening to Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Tell your friends and family. This is really important, and we want to get the word out. So glad that you're listening. Please keep coming back. Also, follow us on Instagram at activeallyship.podcast. Thank you so much.